Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to a bonus edition of the Media Podcast. I'm Ollie Mann. The BBC's soon-to-be managing director, Bob Shannon, was just one of the industry leaders to speak at this year's Radio Days Europe conference in March in Switzerland. Shannon announced the appointment of a new podcast commissioner to nurture the development of audio outside of the BBC's existing brands, whilst Brenda Salinas of Google News urged broadcasters to stay distinctive. And Paul Robinson, director of Creative Media Partners and, of course, regular contributor to this very show, was there for the sessions and sat down with Bob and also Greg James to get some insight into the BBC's new direction, launching the big breakfast shows across BBC Radio and BBC Sounds. In a moment, you'll hear Bob's assessment of how audiences are responding to the new Sounds app. But first, here's Greg James on how it feels to achieve his ambitions hosting breakfast on Radio 1. So, uh, Greg James, um, the breakfast show's going rather well. Thank you. Uh, I feel weird agreeing with you, but I'm very proud of it. And I think that I can say that I'm happy that we nailed the launch. And we had all these plans in place, and I'd had sort of 20 years to think about it. (laughs) And I had lots of experience, and I felt like I knew the station, I knew the listeners, I knew I had a plan in my head. And I was like, we need to just do a show for the listeners, with the listeners, because the anecdotal evidence that I sort of gathered and in my own experience as a listener, I thought, I love shows that feel like you're in the gang, but it doesn't feel exclusive. So I had those plans. I had an amazing team. I have an amazing team of people that were on the same page. And we had a bit of luck on the day, and people went for it. it was cool. Were you really, were you really thinking as a schoolboy 20 years ago, you want the Radio 1 Breakfast Show? That was, that was in your head at that point. Yeah. Really? So how old were you? Well, you were, I would what, say, sort of 13 or something? I wanted, to, I wanted to be on the radio. Yeah. And actually I wanted to sort of... I remember I wanted to do Johnny Vaughan's job. I wanted to do Chris Tarrant's job. I wanted to do Scott Mill's job. I wanted to do Chris, Mo, um, Chris Mill's job as well. And I, and I suppose, yes, that is breakfast, that is breakfast radio. And Chris Evans as well, when, it, when he was on Virgin the first time round. The real Virgin. The real Virgin. <laughs> the yes. real Virgin. With proper transmitters. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> nay, absolute. Um, uh, I, I listened to those shows, and actually, Russ and Jono. Sorry, I'm thinking of other people oh, that I listened yes, to. So my mum was yes. a big Russ and Jono yeah. fan as well, and I nicked Feet Up Friday from them. Oh, okay. They used to get an audience in the show, and I was like, oh, "That's fun. We should do that one day." Um, so, yes, those sorts of shows were the ones that I wanted to do, and then I, 
I, I guess it evolved into I fell in love with Radio 1 when I was probably a student. But no, saw, no, when I was about 15 or 16, I listened to Scott Mills on Drive Time and fell in love with it and thought, So when you went to great. university, did you seek out the radio station, the, the university yes, radio station, I did. straight away? Well, actually, it, it sought me out to a certain extent. Uh, one of my good mates, who's still one of my good mates, Dave, was a third year at the time, and he bounded up to me in the Freshers' Fair and went, oh, do you want to join Livewire? I went, what's that? And he went, it's a student radio station. I went, yes, of course I do. <laughs> and I was up there doing my first show that day. So right. I went up and did a show on, on the not, day. Not keen then. Yeah, I was uh, straight in there. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't bother with football, cricket, or you know anything like that. So I, I went straight to the radio station, and I suppose I was doing Radio One shows, but on, uh, but on Livewire with XFM music. Long, a long-winded answer. Yes, I wanted to do a breakfast show because it felt, it just felt big. But also, if you can do it well, it feels intimate as well. And that's what Terry Wogan did better than anybody, and what Sean Keaveney does. I think, or did well, before he moved. The listeners wrote the script for Woken, didn't they, really? Mm. I mean, it was all listener involvement. It was a yeah. continual dialogue. Yeah, yeah. I think that's something that I've definitely been inspired... Well, I definitely have been inspired by that. And I, I guess you are a product of all the things that you have read and listened to over the years and watched, and you, you take a bit of that. So um, that's, that's what I did. I sort of wrote down all the things that I love about shows and thought, well, how do we make this into one big, inclusive funny listen it was funny was the thing I wanted it to be you're, you're a great presenter and I mean you know you've got a real enthusiasm on air I mean that passion I think comes across but also what came across to me as well today was you've got a really good team so I think you've got the, the best of both worlds I have yeah and I was very lucky that I got to select my team I took Chris Sawyer from the drive time show with me uh, my old drive time producer just hap- luckily became the editor of all the daytime shows so I had him as well I had um, Will Foster, who used to produce Grimmy, and I've always wanted to work with Will, so we managed to get to work together, and I said to management, I would love to have two producers, because I feel like you need to have as many brains on it as possible, you need experience, and you need people who are calm, and um, know what to do, know how to deal with an idea, and know how to sort of bring on a younger team. So we've got two excellent APs, assistant producers, uh, Daisy Jarrett and Nicola, uh, and Tim, who are, who's here today. And um, we're all learning on the job, really. But we're putting into, play, into practice all the things we've learned over the years, and we go, right, we know how to do that, deliver that funny. And um, the show is very busy in the morning, with people running in and running out and going, I've got this caller for 8.20. And they go, I've got a bit for 8.40. There was a bit on Blue Planet last night where a seagull ate a turtle. We should do a bit on that. So you're evolving as you're on air, Absolutely. as you're going along. Yeah, and that's why it's the most exciting show I've ever done, because... It's, there are bits, there's space in it to have something spontaneous that comes and goes. Um, and there are those big sort of coat hooks of, uh, of features as well. So it's, uh, it evolves throughout the morning, which keeps me interested. I wouldn't want to do it if it didn't keep me interested. And I think if I'm not interested, why the hell would you expect the listeners to be? And that's a great luxury of being on a station like Radio 1 where they let you... Um, express yourself I suppose you've also done quite a few stunts quite a few sort of big <laughs> flagship items that have got amazing coverage I mean yeah. you've obviously you've really thrown yourself into those yes I guess that draws on all the big TV shows that I used to watch so I used to love those Noel's house party stunts or I mean even things like Beatles About or yeah, yeah. Annika Challenge Annika and the big breakfast and those sorts of things um, we definitely 
have been inspired by over the years and we just think, thought why what is the radio version of this how do we make people talk about the show when it's not on and we can tell the story on social media but then also you can tell it the next day and I think there are ways that radio is very malleable and you can really push it because it's it's very simple isn't it it's a it's a microphone in theory it's very simple microphone but actually it's not no it's not but it, in, its, in its essence it's, it's you, if you've got a story you can work out a way of telling it that's why podcasts are so successful because it's great storytelling it's a great way to tell a story um, and it's so intimate and immediate in your head so we try and work on those quick those ever evolving quick, quickly evolving stories that can twist and turn and you just you can react quickly because it's radio and you just need a microphone whereas TV you just, you'd have to send off eight health and safety forms and you know, get the camera crew there film that again oh we missed it film it again film it again and you never quite get that magic um, on the TV that you do on, on a radio show and you feel like if you're in your car you're like, you can't get out and those those moments that we want to create is the can't get out of the car moments I think are you glad you've got the breakfast show now? Because you've been at Radio One ten years. You know, you, you've had a lot of experience. The audience know you. Mm-hmm. That must be making you feel more confident, and, and you know, you're yeah. clearly on top of your game. Well, yes, I feel like it. I feel like this was the right time for me to get it. I wouldn't. It would not have been a success if I got it at 26 or 27. I feel like I'm much more settled in my actual life. I've gone through my 20s. I know what it's like to be 20. I know the pitfalls of all of that stuff and having shit relationships and coming out of those and you know renting a house and finding you know friends and working out what what you know who you are a little bit and I know that I'm in a much better place than I was even three or four years ago so it came it came to me at the right time and I'm really pleased that Radio 1 have dropped this whole sort of well you have to be the age of your listeners to communicate with your listeners sometimes that's true and but I'm better, at, I'm better at hosting a Radio 1 show at 33 than I was at 23. Well, and I mean, John Peel was, uh, you know, three times the age of his listeners and was incredibly successful, so it doesn't yeah. necessarily follow. It doesn't at all. And if you look at all the other people who are successful in America, you know, Corden is a great example. Who's, he's, over, he's just over 40 and he, uh, people don't care as long as the thing you're doing is good and entertaining and relevant and um, thought through and smart, I suppose. So um, I never, I've never worried too much about that. In fact, I sort of hated being 20. It's like, annoying. I, I wish I was better. And I, and I, but now I feel like I um, have a bit more of a grip on the world <laughs> to a certain extent. And you've got yeah. more to say. More to say, more experience. But also I've, I am... I've, I said it on stage a minute ago, but I feel like I am... Uh, and this is not me being earnest and too humble. I feel in a good way that I'm less important on that show um, and when you put your ego to one side or keep it in check you can then lift up the listeners to be the funny person and then I fire in a question that makes them give me the punchline or whatever and I, I don't care about that anymore I don't, I don't need to be the funniest person in the room I probably never have been I, I, I quite like, like getting a conversation going or um, that, I think that's, that's, that's been really important to me and what about um, you know, coping with the hours? I mean, you're having a glass of wine now. Your social life must have changed a bit. Please don't out me as an alcoholic on here. No, it's one small glass. Honestly, yeah. it's fine. Um, my, well, sorry, my, my, so- my question was, um, your social life must have changed. How are you coping with the hours? Well, I'm holding a glass of wine in a foyer of the conference centre. That, that's your social <laughs> life. Wow, the big time. I, I, um, it's been a big change. It's, anyone who tells you it's fun waking up at 10 to 5 is a liar or something there's something wrong with them 
it's horrible and there is probably 10 minutes in the morning where I question why I bother doing it and there's probably 10 minutes after the show where I go oh my god I'm knackered why am I doing this but for the rest that's 99 that's that's 0.5% of the time 99% of the time I just go this is the best job ever that you don't get to do forever so I've sort of run at it and other bits of my life can just wait a little bit and that's fine um, but it doesn't, enjoy it doesn't, the moment yeah it doesn't feel like it intrudes too much I, I really enjoy coming up with ideas I love hanging out with my team at 5.30 in the morning we are belly laughing and that's special yeah. so I, I, tr- I sort of cherish those moments and I will I know that I'll miss it one day when I don't get to do it so I'm just sort of enjoying it all uh, at the moment but yeah I get to have to go to bed by 9 or 9.30 which is it sucks. It's 9.30. Well, yeah. Greg, keep, keep doing it. We love <laughs> listening to you. Your enthusiasm is so infectious. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers. Greg James. We'll be back with more insight from Radio Days Europe after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Bob Shannon, this is probably the last time we'll meet as Director of Radio and Music because you have a new promotion. So tell me, what is the purpose and the role, this new Managing Director role at the BBC? But hopefully not the last time at Radio Days in this role. That's um, good to hear. Radio will still be a part of the brief because the brief is now thinking as part of the executive of the BBC about you know the future of the whole of the BBC in all of its different manifestations, um, its strategy, its culture, its policy approach, everything to do with its commercial rights um, and business affairs teams, um, with a particular accent on making sure that we continue to attract, to develop uh, and to support the best talent, on-air talent, uh, as well as off-air talent that we possibly can in the BBC. You've um, had a great track record with talent, um, but just talk about some of the strategy. I mean, the BBC has got a number of challenges, hasn't it? I mean, your chairman, David Clementi, has talked about some of them. The funding is obviously one. The move towards completely different listening and viewing habits is another one. Um, How are you going to think about these challenges? They're pretty big questions. 
They're big. They're not new. There have been questions which have been around, as you know, for uh, a few years now. Um, I mean, listening habits uh, have changed, and um, uh, and those changes present all traditional media companies with um, massive uh, uh, challenges and need to adapt the way they offer content to people. At the same time with the BBC, um, you know, we are experiencing the challenge of um, uh, license fee funding that over a period of time is due to be curtailed, which means that we're having to save money at the same time that we really like to start to invest more money in new services. But I think we're doing okay. I mean, we prioritised developing the iPlayer as our video destination and BBC Sounds as our audio destination. And we've been really, really busy refreshing and enhancing our linear services as well. And they're holding up with the audiences. I think, like all traditional media companies, we have to work differently. We have to work more quickly. We have to work harder. We have challenges on multiple fronts. Um, but people still love the content that we offer. And our our mission is to make sure that the BBC continues to be relevant and useful to all audiences in the UK. The audio listening to linear is holding up very well. Probably radio is holding up better than TV. The rate of change, I think, in TV is faster. Um, and clearly Netflix has been a major driver of this. For the BBC, thinking about iPlayer, and I know you're looking at um, expending, extending the rights on iPlayer, um, how does the BBC work in a world where maybe you could think maybe there won't even be linear TV channels in the future? Well, I think it's, it's the same in, in, in audio and video, in TV and radio. Um, I think the challenge is to find a, a happy medium between the way we present uh, our content as people want and expect it um, and that can be quite different things for quite different audiences. So, I mean, linear TV channels like linear radio stations still have millions and millions of people who like to consume them in the way that they consume uh, and have always consumed them. But increasingly, yeah, we're seeing a change in habit um, where the audience member is taking more control over the way they consume content. And through iPlayer, we're trying to respond to that um, so that we can offer both the all-immersive, large-scale experience of BBC One, on the other hand, and the, and the bespoke, on-demand experience of iPlayer, on the other and with BBC Sounds, we're trying to do the same thing. We're trying to create a destination which is both for linear uh, and on-demand audio made uh, available to people in as useful a way as possible. Now, that used in the old days just to be as a linear radio station. Um, and now there's so much more that we can do to augment the offer of linear um, with on-demand. And also, I think to make linear even more effective at serving audiences who love the constant daily connectivity of great linear radio in their lives. When you were here last year, you talked about your ambition to find new voices, new ways of presenting audio, and particularly new podcast talent, talent that maybe wouldn't otherwise come to the BBC. And looking at BBC Sounds, 1.8 million downloads in a few months, it's not bad at all. Do you feel we've made, you've made some progress in that area? Yeah, I think we have. I think we've made a good start. Um, we've a good distance to go. We've we've uh, a distance to go in terms of the functionality of the app to make sure that it is 
the fully personalised uh, experience that we promised because I think that's the real game changer for people when we can offer that. Um, and in terms of content, this is a you know this is a relatively brave new world for us because we've only recently really been given permission to create podcasts for on demand first. Um, and I think that we've had some great successes um, and we've learned things that haven't worked so well and we've moved on to the next thing. It's an entirely different kind of approach to commissioning podcasts from commissioning linear radio. Um, and, um, and so it's a massive learning curve for all of us, but we're really pleased overall with the success. And when we get that editorial richness and that functionality that gives that flexibility that audiences crave, I think we'll have something really valuable to license fee payers. Let's turn to the analogue uh, linear networks now. You've had to change not one but two breakfast shows on your two biggest music networks. That must have given you a few sleepless nights. It's, um, and, and don't forget, Paul, um, we've also changed the whole of the daytime schedule, including Breakfast on Six Music, which... Good point. Is, 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 yeah. is, is um, significant, if not uh, one of the two biggest. So we've had a huge amount of change in a relatively short space of time. Um, Radio 1 went first uh, at the end of last summer. Um, I think we're all thrilled with the way that the new Breakfast uh, and Drive shows have, have taken off. I think uh, Greg James and his team in particular have done a wonderful job of creating really engaging must listen live linear radio they believe in it they believe in its potential to attract young audiences and i think they're right to believe in that uh, they're passionate about it and they are working harder probably than ever before to try and make it a real destination a real place that young audiences want to come to in the bbc and then, of course, Radio 2 has gone through a huge amount of change as well with new programmes at breakfast, at drive, mid-evening and late night. I'm really pleased too with the way those programmes have settled down. It was perhaps more change than you'd ever like to have in one fell swoop. But in fact, the presenters were really familiar to the Radio 2 audience, so it wasn't quite as scary as it might have at first seemed. Um, and with Chris Evans choosing to leave, um, I think Zoe Ball has taken on the mantle of breakfast show host magnificently. Sarah Cox fitted in from the word go perfectly at drive time. I think she's been so familiar to daytime Radio 2 listeners that it was a, a pretty easy um, move for the network to make. Joe Wiley uh, is back in a kind of refreshed, rejuvenated mid-evening slot. And Trevor Nelson's new programme, Monday to Thursday, late at night, is um, a really exciting development for the network. He's a brilliant broadcaster, as you know. Um, I think he's found a really good natural home for him to do his thing and to provide for Radio 2 listeners a perfect kind of going-to-bed show. The BBC and its plan for the rest of the charter period have talked about Radio 2 in terms of specialist music. So I have to ask you this. Radio 2, very important for specialist music, yet those specialist music programmes have now moved later in the schedule to 9pm. And the beauty of the 7 o'clock slot, of course, was you delivered a very large audience from drive time into the 7 o'clock slot. So at 9pm they're going to get smaller audiences. Isn't that the wrong direction? 
Well, I think it's still a pretty healthy slot, and we'll wait to see how the Rajar figures really pan out um, before we should get too concerned uh, about that. It's still a very prominent slot, and Radio 2's commitment to the big um, Radio 2 specialist genre um, is probably growing, actually. Um, You know, I can think of a time when I joined Radio 2, which was about uh, a decade ago, when commitment, for example, to country music or folk was at a relatively low ebb. Um, In the intervening years, um, I think Radio 2 has become even more vital to both of those two forms of um, music, actually. And we've also added Jamie Cullum uh, into our uh, jazz mix. I think everybody believes... I mean, he's an award winner. Everybody believes he's raised the bar. Yeah, it's a fabulous show. Jazz. Um, And Keris has taken over blues. I, I feel, actually, we've put extra um, effort and reinvigorated our commitment to specialist music. Um, I'm really aware of the fact that, you know, folk music in the UK really leans heavily on the commitment, for example, of Radio 2. We're really conscious of that. Um, And in fact, we're quite proud of it. So um, we don't intend to let that slip. Very good to hear. Well, last question then, Bob. Now you're managing director. Will you have a view over BBC local radio, perhaps a forgotten child in the past? Well, I guess in this job, um, my role is 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 a pan BBC role uh, in the sense of having responsibility for uh, uh, the the team that develops our strategy and working on alongside the rest of the executive, including Kenny Macquarie, who is director of Nations and Regions. Um, And I think that BBC Local Radio, particularly just now, has an incredibly important part to play in a healthy BBC future. And I'll do everything that I can within the remit of my um, new role to ensure that that continues. I mean, I think that when you look at what's going on because of deregulation in commercial radio, um, and we all understand why that's taking place, um, I think it leaves a vacuum huge opportunity for you at the thought. Um, and, 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 and an opportunity and a need yeah. for the BBC, however we do it, and I'm sure that the strategy for local radio will evolve, um, but there's a great opportunity for the BBC to reaffirm its role in local broadcasting, which I think has always been central to, to our mission and really important to a lot of our licence fee payers. We need to make sure it, like the rest of our radio offer, Um, is refreshed, rejuvenated, and even though we're living through extraordinary times of change and turbulence with, you know, social, technological, economic uh, challenge, um, that we remember that radio and audio have a vital part to play. They're incredibly resilient um, and they're incredibly important to audiences. We just now need to work harder in all bits of the BBC and in fact the whole sector, to make sure that continues to be the case. Well, great to see you again at Radio Days. Thank you for coming again, Bob, and good luck in the new job. It's great to have a radio man at the centre of the BBC. We wish you the very best with it. Thank you very much, Paul. Well, that's all for this bonus edition of the Media Podcast. Our thanks to Paul Robinson and to Bob Shannon and Greg James. Remember, you can catch up with previous episodes and get new ones as soon as they're released by subscribing for free on our website, themediapodcast.com, and I'll be bringing you a brand new episode of the show this time next week. I've been Ollie Mann, the producer, Rebecca Grisdale-Sherry. The Media Podcast is a PPM production, and until next time, bye-bye. 
Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com slash covered. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.